know, this week we're in week three of our series, But God. And this has been a challenging series. I don't know about you, but there are those moments where you face adversity in life, you face obstacles, you face challenges that seem larger than life. And they really can get to that place where they want to steal our joy and just take us to a place that we don't ever want to be. And many are dealing with those feelings. But the last few weeks, we've been talking about the power of these two words, but God. Because in the midst of all the things that are going on in your life and in mine, in the midst of everything that's happening in our culture, God is showing up. And God is showing up in a mighty way. You might turn on the news and go, oh my gosh, here we go. You know, this, you know, this legislation and that legislation is going to change everything for us. No, it's not. Because God's still in control. I'm not worried. I don't know about you. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about what they're going to try to do to the church. I'm not worried about what they're trying to do to Christians. I'm not worried about being silenced. I'm not worried. Because God's got this. He's had it since time began and he has it right now. And we've been talking about this idea of God showing up in amazing ways. And scripture is packed with moments where things seemed impossible, where people found themselves in these seasons where the obstacles seemed immovable, the the situation seemed impossible, or the difficulty seemed unbearable. But God, but God shows up and everything changes. The power of but God in our lives cannot be overstated because God has a plan and a purpose. He created you with a plan and a purpose, and he's fulfilling that purpose as we step out and we allow him to show up in our circumstance. In the midst of all we face, we cannot lose sight of the other side of but God. We might be on this side right now going, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. But God is going to do something amazing. And today I want to dig into the ultimate but God moment in Scripture. Maybe you're like me. At times, you've kind of wondered, how in the world can the God of the universe, the the God who was there at the beginning will be there at the end, the one who created heaven and earth, he he knew me before I was born, how can that God love me? How can he possibly love me? love me. You know, I've, 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 I've wondered that about many people in my life throughout the years. How can, how can people love me? I, I know me. They know me. I wondered how my parents could love me through some of the things that I struggled through in my childhood. I've shared many times about the week that I decided at the tender age of, I think it was three or four, you know, I thought it'd be fun to stick a nail in, a, in an outlet and see exactly what would happen. I was testing, you know, the, the conductivity of electricity. I don't even know what that means, but it sounded right. But, I, you know, I, I, I did that, and then I, I thought it would be interesting to see what the flavor um, of baby shampoo, what that tasted like. And so I ingested that, and then, you know, to kind of just put a cap on the week Decided when my mom was making her enchilada sauce to go ahead and toss it over myself. Kind of just take an enchilada sauce bath. And just, you know, it was a spa treatment. It was spa treatment before we knew about spa treatments. And I just look back and I go, I wonder how my parents kind of loved me through that, that time. And there was a time when I was a little bit older. We were living up in Salem. And our house was over there on Arithmetic Drive in South Salem, Oregon. 
And we had this huge garage. My dad, my, our garage was one of those garages you pull into and there's extra space, you know, kind of the oversized garage. And my dad was meticulous. If anybody knows my dad, Pat, he's meticulous in the way that he sets up his spaces. He's a little OCD. Sorry, dad. But he's got a space for everything and cupboards and pegboards and tools hung where they're supposed to be hung and everything's put in place and everything's organized and everything's perfect. You could eat off of my dad's garage floor. It's, you know, that kind of setup. And he had this cupboard that, that had paint and different things in it. I remember one day I was, I was up on the workbench, you know, with my knees up on the workbench, and I, was, and I opened the cupboard, and I was looking for something. And I was at an age where the weight, my weight was a little, a little bit greater than it was when I was ingesting shampoo. And I was holding on to the handles of the, the cupboard doors, and I was looking for something, and I lost my balance, and I started to fall back, and I was still holding on, and the thing pulled out of the wall on top of me, and, you know, everything went everywhere, and paint went everywhere, my, and, and I remember calling my dad, and I was like, Dad, I'm so sorry. Something to that effect. And I remember my dad saying, Dan, are you okay? Are you, are you okay? Are you hurt? No, but there's paint everywhere. And my dad loved me through that challenge and that season. As a, as a teenager, I was a, a big fan of, of understanding the why behind rules. So I thought it would be good to bend or break them just to, you know, when you see those weird signs in the park with a dog peeing on something, you kind of go, why is that there? And it's because the, the dog peed on something they shouldn't have, you know. I, I, I found that same passion in life to test boundaries and, and, and break rules. And, you know, driving at the age of 15, it's not a, without my parents, you know, it's not something I would advise, something I did. And, and uh, you know, getting suspended at school, you know, at Salem Academy, they saw some good things in me when I was at my best and decided to put me in a room by myself and help me understand or maybe, you know, as I became a teenager and did start driving legally now, I decided I would test the boundaries of the, of the posted speed limits, you know, and, and uh, I was actually very good at this. Um, I was able to amass three speeding tickets before the age of 18, which I can only imagine gave my mom and dad quite a few discounts on their car insurance premiums. Um, at least I think that's how it works. But I wondered how my parents could love me through some of the things that they love me through. And that unconditional love was always there. I, I wonder that same thing sometimes for Gretchen. We've spent 22 years together, and there's been ups and there downs, and there's been lefts and there's been rights, and there's been some crazy stuff that we've had to navigate through as a couple. She's stood next to me through work and ministry, having to have two incomes because, you know, it's, you don't get into, into ministry to, you know, to, to take over the world. And then realizing that as I started counting things up, we are on the cusp now, we're three days from our 12th move in 22 years. And it was funny, we were, on the, we were, we were driving yesterday and I was talking about it, I was like, we've moved 12 times, can you believe that? And she says, oh, that doesn't, doesn't seem like that much when you say it. I said, babe, we move like every year and a half. That's insane. And obviously we had some longer stints of time, but She's loved me through all of that. Our kids have loved me through the moves that I just spoke about and church and sharing dad with the ministry and sharing dad with the church and 
not having all the things that all their friends have, have, have always had. And, and I come to that place of saying, how can people love me through all these things? And then I come to that place of saying, how can God love me through the seasons and the stages of life that I've encountered? I know my thoughts. I know my need for God to change my mind and change my heart and renew the things inside of me. I, I, I know my selfish desires, wishing we had more, wishing life is different at times. My insecurities. Why, why me, God? There's better pastors out there. Why would you want me to go and pastor the church? And maybe you're in that place where you've reached that point in your life where you look at things and you remember your struggles and your shortcomings and the things that you hate about yourself. And you say, how can God love me? Faced with the question, does God really love me? I want to tell you there's an answer. There's an answer this morning. And as we grapple with this question, I want to start our conversation in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you don't, please join us on the YouVersion Bible app. If you're at home, feel free to do the same. But in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that in the midst of this crazy world, when we were far from you, you loved us so much that you were willing to send your son to die so that we could have life and so that we could have relationship. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. You would show us your love. Not that we would just declare that you love us. But we would understand and experience that un unconditional, amazing, incredible love. Father, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to be together, to worship, to be challenged and encouraged by your word. We ask that you'd be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Does God really love me? You know, in, a, in the midst of a, a world that is, is obsessed with self-love and self-care and self-promotion, I oftentimes find it very ironic, ironic that people are consumed by the anxiety of trying to keep up consumed. And subsequently, they find themselves in this place of depression or anxiety of falling short of culture's expectations. It's crazy because we look at our lives and we say, man, it should look more like this, or success looks more like that, or why am I not in this place where I feel content? You know, in order to be a good person, you got to have a life plan. You got to have your one year, your three year, your five year. You got to have all your goals set out, and then you'll be good because it's all mapped up. It's all ready to go. And man, I can be a good person because I've got this stuff figured out. Or maybe you're, you're wanting to be a good husband or a good father, 
And you've got to have a, you got to have a great career. You've got to be, be able to provide. And you, you, you should probably come home and play ball with your kids. You know, that's, that's an important component of it. And then, you know, of course, you need to be able to put things together without using instructions. That's the sign of a father. Why do I have this extra screw? Or maybe you're in that place where, uh, ladies, you, you, you want to be a, a good wife. You want to be a good mother. And culture says you got to be a homemaker. you got to be a meal planner with your fridge organized and everything, you know, sectioned out into little containers. And they're all stacked up perfectly and neatly. And everything's labeled. And by the way, you probably have a full-time job, so you're doing that in addition. And, oh, you need to be a great teacher for your kids while they're doing distance learning. And you should have no fear of blood. No, you should take care of every boo-boo without the gag reflex. And everything in life should be done like a musical with song and dance. You know, kind of the, the hills are alive with the sound of music. Everything, every situation, every interaction should be more like that. But unfortunately, we all fall short of the expectations that culture places on us or that we put on ourselves. And we find ourselves in this place where we're confused and we're frustrated and we're probably exhausted. And then the overwhelm ensues. So how then do we step into and receive the perfect love of Jesus, the perfect love of God, when sometimes we struggle to love ourselves? And to receive that type of love. First, we've got to dispense with our misconceptions of God's love. Too often we see God's love as, 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 as something that's elusive or something that you know, we, we should be allowed to have. And we fall into one of two categories. Either, either I'm too good for it because God is God, so of course God loves me. right? God loves everybody. God loves his creation. He's God. Why wouldn't he love me? And so we, we, we're on this side of the coin where we're like, well, I'm too, too good for it. Of course God loves me because, you know, that's just it. Or, or maybe you find yourself on the other end of the extreme and you're too bad for it. You've sinned your way out of God's love. You know yourself and you know you're a lost cause. You know that you've done too many things wrong. You've hurt too many people. You've destroyed too many relationships. And God can't love somebody who does that. And so we find ourselves in this place of struggling to grapple with the realities of how we see God's love. The truth is God loves us so much that he made a way for us to come back to him. It's nothing we did. God loved us, so he made a way for us to come back to his love. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. For you, for me. So that none would perish, none would be separated. He gave. And Jesus then explains this kind of love. He explains it in John chapter 15. He says in verse 13, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The greatest form of love is to lay down your life for someone else. And it's interesting because Jesus says it, and then, of course, he does it. Then he does. He lays his life down for his friends, for you, for me, 
The reality is the 18 words found in this verse in Romans change everything. And they really help us to understand God's love better. Let's go back to our text. And I want to read Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But I want to read it from the English Standard Version. version because it's, it's very interesting how it says. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God shows his love. Did you hear that? We need to focus on the importance of this but God statement. But God shows his love. Say God shows. Yeah, this is going to be a work in progress. This was really bad in the first service, and you guys did a little bit better. But we're going to try this again, and you join in with us at home. Say God shows. You guys are awesome. I want to spend time today looking at the three surprising ways that God shows us his love. Not just what we read in Scripture, but the way that God shows us his love. The first thing is this. God shows his love in a surprising way. God shows his love to us in a surprising way. Because God is not a subtle God. He's not kind of a, you know, stand over here in the corner just out, out, out of view of the, of the camera angle and just kind of hang out. That's not God. That's not the God we serve. When God showed up on the scene, the heavens and the earth were created. The beasts of the field, the, the, the fish of the sea, you and me, we were created. That, that's the God that we serve. Put the stars in the sky. He put the universe in the heavens. He's not subtle. And God shows his love in amazing ways. Every aspect of creation shows the glory of God. You don't have to look very far. I was standing outside this morning with, with, with Mark and with, with Dennis, and, and I was just like soaking in the sun. I'm like, oh, I love the sunshine. I'm such a pansy Oregonian. I hate the cold and I hate the rain, and I love sunshine until it gets too hot, and then I hate the sunshine. But I was soaking in it, and I was just like, oh, I love, I love God's creation. And I was just reminded of God's glory. But the stars and nature, I mean, gosh, if you need to see the glory of God, just go snorkeling for crying out loud. It's incredible. You dip below the, the surface of the water, and it's like a whole different world of coral and fish. and It's amazing. Or just look at the human body, the complexity of the human body. I, I always marvel when my my boys, when Micah and Elijah start talking about anatomy, because they had an anatomy and physiology class in high school, and they like to, you know, compare their knowledge of the human body. But they talk about the complexities of the muscles and the skeletal system and all these things. And I'm always fascinated. I don't understand any of it. But I'm always fascinated about how the human body works. Or the birth of a child. The miracle of birth. It's incredible, the God that we serve. And he's not a secretive, subtle God. But God puts his great love on display every day in you and in me, in the beauty of a sunset, in the closeness of a relationship. Too often, we stop at speaking love. It's easy for us to say, I love you. Babe, I love you. I love you, church, family. I love you. 
But God doesn't stop at, at speaking love. God shows his love. God shows his devotion to his created. Because it's way too easy to say, I love you. But how many of us would lay our lives down for someone? As scripture challenges us to do. Maybe for our kids. Maybe we'd lay our lives down for our kids. Maybe for a family member. But I'm always inspired by those who give up an organ or their life for a stranger. I'm always inspired by those stories on TV where you see this perfect stranger who gave up a kidney because so-and-so needed a kidney transplant and, and they were a match. And you're like, what in the world? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 says, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Interesting, we oftentimes see ourselves in a too good for God's love or not good enough. We see, maybe we classify people, well, that person's, you know, not good enough for God's love. They're kind of a pain in the, you know, what to be around. But God loves both, those who think they're too good and those who think they're not good enough. The prodigals who are struggling with the decisions they've made in life. And God's love is surprising and he doesn't stop with words. He shows up in the most unexpected ways. We see it throughout scripture. He parts the seas. He, he's the pillar by night and the cloud of, of glory by day. He's, he's the, the one who crumbled the walls and the one who strengthened armies. He's, he's the one who calms the storms. He's one who heals the sick. He shows up in unexpected ways. And he doesn't stop with good enough. It's like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's good enough. No. He sent his son to die for you and for me. He understood the cost. Did you catch that? God shows. He shows. It's present active tense. He's still showing his love for you and for me, for those we care for and those we pass along the sidewalk when we're walking our dog. He shows his love for each and every one of us without fail, without exception. He shows up in surprising and amazing ways. But God also shows his love to a surprising people. He shows his love to a surprising people. It's amazing to whom God shows his perfect love. Because you think, well, yeah, you, you know, like the verse said, you, you, know, you die for somebody who's good, maybe a family member. But he shows his love to sinners. Scripture's clear. While we were still sinners, Christ died. God shows us love, his love in a, to a surprising people. Too often we, we take this reality for granted. We, we just kind of go, yeah, isn't that great? You know, while we were still sinners, Christ died. Yay, woo! But if we really look through God's lens, I would have to think we would be pretty disgusted by the behavior that we see. Our own and others. Because God's metric is not like ours, where we can look around and we can say, well, I'm not doing what that guy's doing. That's really bad. I'm just kind of, you know, a little bit unethical. Or I just tell small lies. Or I, I only deceive people when I don't want to hurt them. I only cheat a little bit on my taxes. 
too often we take this for granted. If you, if you read what Scripture says about the way we see our own righteousness, it says this in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We, sh- we all shrivel up like a leaf, and the wind, our sins sweep us away. Like the wind, we, our sins sweep us away. Do you realize the, the translation of, of filthy rags in this scripture actually talks about soiled rags? <laughs> I don't like that word. That's one of those words that should be taken out of the English language. Soiled. It just, I don't like it. Maybe you all do. But when we talk about filthy rags and, and we look at our righteousness, we look at our good deeds, we look at all the things that we do in life that we think are great, and God's like, yeah, no, it's still pretty repulsive, actually. Do you realize the only thing that qualifies you for God's love is your sin? Let that one roll around in your head for a little while. The only thing that qualifies you for the love of God, the perfect unmatched love of God is your sin. Because Romans 5.8 says, God shows present tense. In the midst of our sin, God shows us his love. And Christ died, past tense. So your sin, present tense, is covered by the death of Christ, past tense. Your current sin, your future sin, your everyday sin, it's all covered. The death of Christ still shows the love of God. Even the uniqueness of Paul's phraseology shows us the incredible power of the gospel. That there's nothing that we can do outside of receiving God's love. Because that's just who he is. He loves us. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Christ died, and you are saved by this surprising love. That should be good news. I don't know about you, but that should be cause for excitement. That's like the wake up in the morning and go, woo! I know none of you do that. But when we embrace the love of a a God who looks at all of our sin and goes, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still sending my son. My one and only son, I'm still going to send him because I love you that much. <laughs> that should change everything. We've got to understand that God shows his love in a surprising way to a surprising people. And the final thought is this. God shows his love to us at a surprising cost. Why did Jesus die for us? Because he loved us. Because he was willing to be obedient to Father God's plan. He didn't want to. We see in the garden, not, you could take this cup from me, but not my will but yours be done. But he obeyed the Father because he loved us. It's simple. As soon as sin, sin entered the picture, someone had to die for it. That's just the reality. We serve a just God. Either we die as a penalty for our own sins or someone else has to. That's just how it works. God's not an angry, bloodthirsty God. 
No, on the contrary, he's a loving God. And he loves us so much that he sent his son. But the reality in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve death, but we get life because of God's love. But we can't misunderstand what's happening between God the Father and Jesus the Son. There's not like this weird, crazy, strained, dysfunctional relationship between two-thirds of the, of the Trinity. This is not how this works. God is not the angry Father and Jesus the loving, tender-hearted Son. As some may look at this whole thing and go, well, the theologian D.A. Carson says it well. He says, God demonstrates his love in that Christ died for us. You must not think that God stands over against us while Christ stands for us as if the Father and Son are somehow at odds so that the Father takes it out on his Son. God demonstrated his love by sending Christ. It's an incredible reality. And it's difficult to understand this kind of love, to give up everything, to give up your very child. But Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, as the worship team comes and we prepare to close this morning, we've got to remember that God shows his love in a surprising way to a surprising people at a surprising cost. It cost God everything. The only question we should be asking is, am I willing to receive God's surprising gift of love? Am I willing to receive it? this free gift? Or perhaps the question we should be asking is, am I willing to go into the community that I live in and share God's surprising gift of love? Am I willing to take it out into the marketplace? Am I willing to take it to work? Am I willing to take it into my home? Am I willing to take it into the relationships that I have? Or do I think it's just for me? The author and speaker Stormy O'Martian says it this way, it's not about finding ways to avoid God's judgment and feeling like a failure if you don't do everything perfectly. It's about fully experiencing God's love and letting it perfect you. It's not about being somebody you're not. It's about becoming who you really are. Because God has created you with a plan and a purpose, and he loved you so much that he sent Jesus. Talk about a but God moment. Talk about something that should, should, should get our attention and say, oh, wait a second, that changes everything. God loved us that much that while we were still stuck in life's mistakes, and circumstances, and struggles, and defeats, that's when Jesus showed up. That's when God love, God's love changed the whole situation. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you 
that you and your providence, despite our failures, despite our desire to run in the opposite direction, God, you showed up with perfect, amazing, all-surpassing love that goes beyond anything that we can understand. And you desired relationship and restored communion with your creation. And so you did the one thing that would restore that. The only thing that could bring us back into right standing with you. You sent your son, your one and only son, the most heartbreaking sacrificial act that could ever be done. And he died so that I didn't have to, so that we didn't have to. So this morning, God, we ask that you would give us an understanding of what this kind of love looks like and feels like, that we would be able to embrace your love, and then that we would be able to go out and we'd be able to share it with those who are struggling and hopeless God, help us to understand what it means to love. And we thank you for showing your love to us. If you're here this morning and you are struggling with that reality of not understanding the truest nature of love, I want to encourage you. God loves you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your experience has been, no matter what you did before you walked in the doors, no matter what you did before you turned on the, the TV, God loves you that much. That he's willing to say, I don't care about all that other stuff, I care about you. I want relationship with you. We have to ask for it, though. So if you're in this place this morning, if you're tuning in online, if you're sitting in your car, if you've got your earbuds in and you're out in the garage and you're saying, God, I know my life, I know the things I've done, I know the areas I've fallen short, and I just need to give it to you and I need you to, I need you to forgive me, I need you to, to come in and, 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 and clean things up and bring me back into a place where I can feel the strength of your love in my life. that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. God, I pray for those who are struggling with the realities of their decisions, the realities of life, the realities of feeling abandoned, the realities of feeling abused, the realities of not feeling loved. Or those who find themselves on the other side where they've been the person who's abused. They've been the one who's destroyed relationships. They've been the one who has struggled through life and made decisions that they feel like they can't come back from. God, you love every one of us and you desire relationship. And so we receive it today. We ask that you change us from the inside out. That you'd have your perfect will in our lives. And we thank you that you can accomplish that even amidst a pandemic, you're accomplishing your perfect will. So God, we love you, and we thank you that you loved us first. 
We worship you, Father. And if you're here this morning and you're in that place where you're saying, I've never really understood what that relationship looks like or feels like. I've never really stepped into relationship with Jesus, but I want it. I want to experience that love. I want to experience breakthrough. I want to experience new life. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask you to, to type anything in the chat box. Just purely going to ask you to, to say a prayer with us. There's no magic in this prayer. We say it every week. But we understand that, as Scripture tells us, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that Christ died and was resurrected. We will be saved. We will receive this perfect love. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning. As a church, we're going to say a prayer, and I would invite you to to say that prayer and to mean it from your heart. Can we say this this morning? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. I believe he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I commit to live for you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. It is the greatest decision that we can make to step into relationship with God, to receive the love that he has for us. And I want to encourage you today that God shows us his love. That but God moment changes the whole equation for you, for me, for those with whom you come in contact with this week. And if we can be in that mindset of understanding that God loves us and that God loves everyone, maybe, just maybe, we can share and show his love this week. Maybe we can find it in ourselves to share it. And to say, you know what, I've got hope and I want to share it with you. You seem to be struggling through a pretty tough time. I want to be an ear. I want to listen. I want to hear. I want to walk with you. And as we show that love, we share God's love. I'm telling you right now, it's going to reflect his glory and people are going to see him in us. That's what it means to be the neighborhood. That's what it means to step into the will of God. So this morning, as we prepare to close, our prayer team is available uh, at the back of the worship center. If you'd like somebody to agree with you in prayer for a need, for healing, for provision, for whatever's going on in your life, they're available to you. But God shows us his love. Let's show and share it this week to the people that we come in contact with. Have a wonderful, blessed week. I pray you enjoy the sunshine, you soak up all the vitamin D, and as we go out of this place and we step into every situation of our lives, let's continue to be the neighborhood. God bless you.